Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 136. Today, I have a girl on the show that I absolutely adore. Her name is Catherine Budig. She is an internationally celebrated yoga teacher and author known for her accessibility, her humor, and ability to empower her students through her signature message, which is aim true. She grew up in Kansas. She graduated from the University of Virginia with a double degree in English and drama nothing to do with yoga, before she moved to LA. And that is where she started training at Yoga Works. She's had over a decade of experience in the yoga field. She served as the yoga educator to the Women's Health Magazine for five years, contributed recipes, sat on the Yahoo Health Advisory Board, and regularly contributes to the Yoga Journal. She is just this woman who is living in a way that really inspires you. And as somebody who it took a long time for me to really understand and fall in love with yoga, I'm just so excited to share this conversation with you today. Before we dive into the show, I have a challenge for you. If you're tuning in, take a screenshot and post it up on social media. Tag us so that I can see who's listening. I love to connect with you guys. I think it is such a fun way to spread the word about Gold Digger so we can keep getting incredible guests on the show just like Catherine. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to one of my all-time favorite yogis, Catherine Budig. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Who are we fooling? You hate ads, right? It's like, just give me the content and stop trying to sell me on another thing. Guess what? I heard you loud and clear, so loud and clear that I'm doing something totally radical 
and I'm letting go of all of my sponsorships. Now, I might be crazy, but bear with me because when I started this show, the Gold Digger Podcast, it was all about impacting people with the best free education out there. And so to align with my mission, this show is not sponsored anymore. But it is brought to you by our free Pinterest resource, the Ultimate Pinterest Guide. That's right, it's entirely free and a full seven-page guide to help you crack the code on Pinterest. Just get your hands on it by going to www.jkpinterest.com and snag it. That's right, another free resource made especially for you at jkpinterest.com. Enjoy. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Are you guys ready? Hey, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show today. Of course. I'm so excited to talk with you. You know what? You know, when you follow those people online and you're like, and you know, you hear this all the time, like I would be friends with you in real life, but I genuinely feel like our souls are like connecting through the country right now. It is. It's actually, I was at a work meeting in New York where I brought you up. And the woman knew you and her eyes just lit up when I mentioned your name. And I didn't know that much about you. I was just like, oh, this woman has this voice and it's really standing out. She's like, oh, my God. (laughs) So it was this kind of amazing, like, I need to go like her stuff or comment and see if she'll be my friend. (laughs) Well, I commented right back because I was so excited. And I have been following you. And I just think that there is so much of your message going out into the world that is so necessary. So let's kick it off by just talking through your story, like where you are today, kind of how you got there and a little bit about what you're up to. Sure. I mean, do you want like diaper story or do you want like the the original work story? (laughs) The Cliff Notes version of what led you to today. Right. So I grew up in Kansas, and I am the daughter of two very amazing parents. And my father in particular is a very successful businessman in many different branches of work. So I think without even realizing that as I was growing up, there was a combination of feeling like, oh, I can do anything. If you say you want to do it, you do it, because that's what I saw my father do. I think you know, now through lots of therapy, (laughs) I've also (laughs) realized that I might be living in a little bit of a shadow too. And that might be where some of my overly ambitious attitude has stemmed from. But I kind of grew up inspired, but also very shy. So I wanted to be an actress. And I I got on stage when I was in fifth grade and I played the stepmother in Cinderella. And I was like, Ooh, it feels good to be bad. (laughs) You know, it feels good to be on stage and just not worry about what people think about me because I'm not playing me. I'm playing someone else. So that was kind of one of the instigators of getting slightly more comfortable. And I continued along the acting vein, thinking that was something I wanted to pursue, but I eventually fell into this thing called yoga and All I knew was that it felt amazing. And I was in college when I found it. I would practice once a week, felt amazing, didn't know there were different kinds of yoga, didn't know what kind of yoga I was practicing. I just knew it was yoga. And by the time I graduated from school, I had decided to learn how to teach it because I loved it so much, thinking that that would be a nice supplemental way to help me along my acting path. And I, you know, was kind of flipping between, do I go to New York? Do I pursue theater? Do I go to LA? Do I pursue film? And I had been living on the East Coast, so I decided to totally switch it up and move to California. (laughs) And Hollywood, as we are really discovering now with all the stories that are coming out, is a really gnarly place. And 
it didn't take long for me at the age of 21, I believe. And I was wearing at the time either a size two or size zero when I sat down with a manager who told me like, let me give it to you straight, honey. I hate being the one to say this, but with the weight that you're at right now, you could be the funny best friend. I know it's horrible. I know it's horrible. No joke. And I was just like, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm a young girl. So like every young girl or not even young, doesn't matter where your age is. We all have our body insecurities. And when someone just calls you out like that I kind of went home like do what do am I not okay like what's going on and then simultaneously I'm doing my yoga training and the whole concept and ethos of yoga is accept yourself you know you're Mm -hmm. you're not this body and so I found this joy when I was practicing yoga and then this complete confusion about who I am and who I should be when I was trying to pursue acting and, you know, just completely separately, I still think the, the craft of acting is amazing, but the, the world of Hollywood is, is really, really effed up. So it steered me deeper into my yoga practice. And I'm so grateful for that because I had no intentions of being a full-time yoga teacher in the wellness world, but it just kind of worked out that way because I was very lucky to train with two of the best teachers in the world at one of the best studios in the world. And she, my teacher, saw something special in me that I was like, oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> and, uh, and she pushed me really hard. And as soon as I finished my training, she put me on the schedule at her studio as a, a student teacher. And, you know, I was like, almost pooped my pants like 10 times a day. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, poop is a little more intense than pee, right? Uh, <laughs> and it was just really, really scary. But it was that push that I needed, because I don't know if we ever truly feel ready to make that leap. You know, we need someone mm-hmm. to just kind of push us off the edge. And you learn how to fly on the way down. I slowly found my voice and it it turned into a full-blown career in Los Angeles, which eventually turned into getting on the travel circuit within the yoga world. And if you're listening and you don't know anything about yoga, yes, there is an entire travel circuit. And some yoga teachers go around internationally and nationally teaching at workshops and conferences Mm -hmm. and festivals. And, And so I started doing that. And I also started using my English literature degree. And I started writing for magazines like Women's Health Magazine. I became their yoga editor and Huffington Post at the time and all these different venues. And then expanded my world through there. And you know, this is all through being through the yoga community and the wellness world, learning about nutrition and food. And I'm a huge foodie and mm-hmm. I've, I've tried cookies. it all. Oh, cookies. <laughs> yes. I know a little bit about that. And so, you know, expanding, okay, like maybe I can start to take my knowledge of wellness and create really amazing recipes. So I started to move more into food and, and I've written two books. I also, I guess, <laughs> I love that I started talking about recipe writing before book writing. <laughs> uh, ended up publishing two books. And now I'm kind of, you know, I still travel for a living. I teach on this website called yogaglow.com and it's a studio in Los Angeles that provides online content. So I fly out there several times a year to create classes and programs for them, for those people who can't practice with me in person. It's an amazing outlet. And yeah, and philanthropically, I love dogs more than I love Mm -hmm. myself. So I have a, (laughs) a project that I created back in the day called Poses for Paws. And it's all about, you know, funding, raising money for organizations that I believe in. So whether it's through a retreat or a class or a product, funding someone like 
the Beagle Freedom Program. I funded them for a really long time, and, and they're all about saving beagles that are used in laboratory testing. Mm-hmm. I love dogs, too. Oof. So in that, I'm really excited. I, I want to give it a revamp soon. So we're, I'm trying to find actual brick and mortar here in Charleston eventually, and my fiance and I are, are that's on our to-do because we just will both look at each other and like, what do we love the most? Dogs. Why aren't we doing more with dogs? I don't know. <laughs> so that's on the to-do list as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. So something I thought was so interesting when I heard you speak the first time was just about the subculture of yoga. And I think that what's so interesting about every industry is that there are these subcultures where there are the greats and you know the masters and the experts. What was it like kind of working your way up as you got started? Because you were mentored by some of the quote greats of the yoga world. Well, I think it's such a timely concept. And I know this is way beyond yoga. This goes to any kind of discipline and world where when I was up and coming, my teachers who were considered the greats were legitimately the greats. They weren't Mm -hmm great because they were famous. They weren't great because they were, you know, beautiful or on the cover of magazines. And they are like beautiful and amazing. But, you know, they were great because of their experience and their education and their lineage. And yoga has survived as long as it has, because it is seeped in heritage and lineage and teachers pass on their information. And they, you know, the word guru, which I don't really feel like has a place in Western culture, but still this concept of your mentor, You know, you have someone that you study under them and that is how you become an excellent teacher is through years and years of practice and experience. And and I was so young. I was very, very young at the time. Not so much now. A lot of younger people are coming, you know, they're even offering yoga in elementary school now. But I felt overwhelmed because of my age just because I didn't know who I was. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for a living. This was kind of an accidental thing that I fell into that I found out that I was good at. You know, all of the senior teachers in the community were definitely not in their 20s or not not even really in their 30s. So there was this, you know, big discrepancy between age as well. And I'm also, I'm five foot two. I have blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm like that American apple pie girl next door. (laughs) And so, you know, it's like easy to kind of, if you don't know anything about me to, to look at me, especially when I was 21 and be like, Oh, look at that little, you know, little kid. She doesn't know what the hell she's doing. So Mm -hmm. I had to, you know, really fight hard to prove that I knew what I was talking about and that I was a good teacher and not to lean on aesthetics because Mm -hmm. especially in the yoga world, that very often is praised for its aesthetic pleasing abilities. It's hard. And I was very active and I physically became very talented at the actual poses at one point. And so it was very easy to just, I could have relied on that and been like, I'm going to pose in a pretty outfit and I'm going to do a hard pose and my hair is going to be in a glossy ponytail and <laughs> people gobble that ish up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like That's not who I want to be. That's not, that's only a small, small portion of who I am. And I want to be known because I have a voice and I have a message and I am a teacher. I'm not a model. I'm a teacher. And I want to make sure that that's what I do because I want this career to be sustainable. So I really focused on my training and teaching and practicing with as many teachers from different backgrounds and disciplines as possible and, and, you know, taking little bits and pieces from everybody so I could create my own personal voice and what was meaningful to me. It's been a long 
evolving process. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of wild now, especially if I'm trying to mentor people where, you know, they want to know how to break in. And it's such a different world because now people do start very young. And, you know, social media wasn't a thing when I came into yoga and, you know, Facebook like just started happening. And it was still reliant on who did you train with and not how many followers do you have. Mm-hmm. And so we're putting where we should be asking people to grow is not, you know, business wise and, and with this social capital, you know, we should be asking people to grow through the time and effort that they are putting out there to learn and better themselves. So it's, I feel very, that's a, an extremely long winded way of saying that no. I feel very blessed to come up in the yoga world when I did because I was forced to work hard. And I can imagine if I was 21 in this day and age, it would, I don't know. I don't know if I would have made the same choices. You know, I could have been young and naive and been like, sure, I want popularity. And my teacher always asked us, she's like, do you want to be a popular teacher or do you want to be a good teacher? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and I was a jackass who said both, but (laughs) you know, let's just blame that on your dad who was really (laughs) (laughs) like, according to my upbringing, I can have it all. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so one thing I love to talk about, and especially with the industry that you're in, is how has yoga changed through social media, both being helped and hurt by it? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with the positive because it's Mm -hmm. really easy to go negative on this topic. I do love the connection. Also, from an economic standpoint, I do think it's amazing in the sense that people can go on to Instagram for free and, you know, learn. You know, there are a lot of pages that are doing instructional posts or posting pictures. And, and of course, as a teacher, and I'm very disciplined when it comes to making sure proper alignment and keeping mm-hmm. your body safe. So I wouldn't recommend learning through an online platform like that, where it's just pictures and you don't know what their experience is. But still, like if people don't have the cash flow, that's an amazing way for them to still at least have yoga. It's free. And, you know, to have a platform where you can message each other and ask questions and hold each other accountable. And you see people doing like yoga challenges, like, hey, let's do this 30 day challenge together where every day you have to do blah, blah, blah. And I think that's all really special. And I, I admire that. So in that sense, it's easy to overlook how connected it's brought us because it also has completely separated us mm-hmm. in the same breath and it has done a, a lot of damage. And, you know, clearly not just on the yoga world, I think it's just doing a ton of damage on the human psyche and, and this concept of thinking that we know people when we don't and allowing images or quotes to really get into our, like worm its way into our brain and our psyche and and you know, obviously it's a picture platform. This, Mm -hmm. the entire concept was built off of sharing images and yoga is dangerous because again, it's really beautiful and not everybody is created equal when it comes to physicality. So to see people who, you know, have hypermobility in their spines, like that's not a lot of these poses. These aren't people who've dedicated themselves to yoga for so long. Like that's called anatomy people. Mm -hmm. This is actual, like, how are their bones? What is the length? What is the musculature? And those are the people getting the praise. And those are the people getting the big sponsorships because they look pretty in stretchy pants and they look pretty in poses and they can sell stuff. So that's been disheartening to me just because it's, I can see how someone who might really 
benefit from yoga could easily look at all these really fancy glossy photos and be disheartened. You know, I can also see them being incredibly inspiring. It totally depends on where are you emotionally in your life right now and what's going to affect you, but it can fester quickly. Mm-hmm. And I just also don't see teachers being the teachers that they used to be. I mean, people are getting jobs because of popularity and no longer because of experience. And that really concerns me because I want the world to continue to be enriched with knowledge and not like, oh, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I look really good when I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't think I look good when I do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) So funny. I struggled with yoga for a very long time and it was something that I wanted to do. It was something I desired to do, but it was so funny because I came from a gymnastics background and then I went into CrossFit and marathon running and all this super intense stuff. And I was that person that was like, if I'm going to spend an hour doing something, I want to be really sweaty and I want to feel really strong. And it has been so transformative for me in the last few months to understand what yoga is and the benefits that cannot be seen. Yes. (laughs) And oh my gosh, it's like wild. Like I went this morning and it's just so funny because the things that I'm didn't understand for so long are the things that are now like my lifeline. So Mm -hmm. something that I love about yoga is just how we call it a practice. So what do you think the most important part of yoga is that the world might not know or understand? Well, what your story, what you just shared, that's a prime example is a lot of people Mm -hmm. with more traditional athletic backgrounds, you know, feel the need to get their heart rate up in order to like, oh, I felt like I achieved something, you know, Mm -hmm. if you used to be on a basketball team, like if you haven't been in like the orange zone or whatever, (laughs) for X amount of minutes, it's like I wasted my athletic endeavor today. So and I totally get that. Because if that's your background, that's your background. And the thing with yoga, like you said, is people traditionally, hopefully, you know, yoga is called a practice, you don't do yoga, you practice yoga, Mm -hmm. you know, there isn't a scorecard, there isn't anything that's one You know, no one is giving you certain points according to how well you executed your posture. And that's the beauty of it is that ideally, if practiced correctly with the right people around you, it's a no judgment zone. Mm -hmm. And it's truly about listening to your body and allowing yourself to take it back or forward as much as you need to within that moment, as opposed to I'm going to run a mile, I'm going to do it under, you know, eight minutes, and that's how it's going to be. It's like, well, what if your body really wants to walk today? You know, but it's like, no, this is what you have to do. And this is the time go. So it's just a really beautiful place that's conducive to listening to yourself, which I think a lot of people struggle with actually listening to what their body wants, as opposed to the pressures that they put on themselves of what they think they have to do. I mean, it happened to me today. I had the vet come over to check on my dogs and she was awesome, but man, can she talk? And (laughs) she was there for an hour and a half. And so I'm like looking at the clock and my yoga class started half an hour ago and it's like, all right. And that was the only window that I had to go do yoga. And I had a moment there where I was like, okay, I was really hoping to do something today maybe I should go on a run. And by the way, I hate running. And but that's the only option that I have left today. And I was just sitting there like, do I go on a run? Or do I go buy some Christmas presents for my sister? And I just really listened to myself when my body's like, Nope, nope, I don't want to run. It's not a lazy thing. It was a legit like that does not. That's not calling to me right now. And that's okay. And I'm not going to guilt myself about the fact that I didn't exercise today because tomorrow's another day and that's okay. 
So I do find that you know yoga helps that because it is kinder. And don't get me wrong, if you want to do really gnarly, hard, sweaty, hot, exhaust yourself yoga, that's out there. Oh, that, yeah. is, <laughs> that is definitely a thing. And you can push it if you want to. But it's also, that's the beauty of it. You can take it really hard or you can do a restorative practice where you basically take a nap mm-hmm. and, and wake up asking, why do I not do this every day of my life? <laughs> so That's me doing Shavasana every right? day. <laughs> like, Yes, thank you. (laughs) So good. Oh my gosh. I think one of the most interesting things about yoga is I have like been just like a runner in life, in business, in athletics, where it's like, I just want to keep going, keep pushing, keep moving. And it was for so long, I would try yoga maybe once or twice. And I'd be like, I'm looking at everyone else. I want to be the best. I'm not the best. I am not like sweating. I didn't understand breathing at all, which is <laughs> hilarious because we do it every single minute of every hour of every day. But what I think is so interesting is like you said, like you learn to listen to yourself in a way that doesn't exist if you never give yourself that margin in space. So can you talk a little bit just about like the practice of breathing and body scans and finding out what mindfulness can really look like, even if you're not in a yoga studio, but just in life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, the the simplicity of breath is so crucial (laughs) because obviously everyone's doing it right now. That's what's keeping us alive. It's, you know, fortunately our body knows how to do it. But there's a big difference between survival breathing and then actual conscious take a deep breath. And just even, you know, if everyone listening right now just takes a second, takes a slow, not a big fast inhale, but just a gradual kind of filling up the balloon inhale, let it kind of hesitate and bubble at the top and then just part your lips and kind of like a slow leak let the air start to come out. Like, Just notice how that makes you feel. Notice what your shoulders do. Mm-hmm. Notice like if your eyeballs start to soften, you know, it's almost this immediate slight shaving of a layer of stressful plaque that mm-hmm. starts to encase yourself. And these are just things that people forget that these tools are always there and, and it's free. And you know, I'll regularly just take a deep breath out of nowhere. And it doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, I'm about to lose it. It's just a reminder of like, I need to tune in. Mm -hmm. I need to take a moment to get here. And I know for a lot of people, the concept of meditation, which is another limb of yoga, is really daunting because what happens if you sit there and you close your eyes? Probably your thoughts expand tenfold. That's Mm -hmm. normally what happens. If you try to not think, you're going to think even more. And, you know, that's the big joke about meditation. It's like, I'm trying to not think. And, ah! oh. Which is why, you know, I love the concept of a mantra meditation. And that's basically where you would take a statement. You know, it can be anything like I am energized, I am focused. And maybe you're not energized, maybe you're not focused. But if you say I am energized, I'm focused over and over and over again to yourself, connecting it to your breath and not only saying the words, but like, what do those words mean to me? What does mm-hmm. energy feel like when it's in my body? Like, where do I feel energy when it's in my body? Where do I feel focused? Like, what does my body, how does it react when I start to get into this place? Like, if you can really tune into all those concepts, like, that's like having your own little mini therapist on call and mm-hmm. just ready to step in and, and ideally help you out in a pinch. 
you know, you don't have to actually unroll a physical yoga mat and do posture. I mean, that helps. Mm -hmm. The whole goal of posture is to kind of, they call it, here's the big fancy Sanskrit, chitta vritti nirodaha. And that means all of the fluctuations that cloud the mind. And so people ideally practice yoga asana as a way to burn through distraction. And once you burn through distraction, that is setting the scene for you to be able to sit in meditation and find clarity. I think that is so powerful. And what's so confusing about meditation is, like you said, for so long, what we visualize is like somebody laying on the ground, flat on their back, and and being still. And I think that our generation is so afraid of stillness. Like we can't even go to the bathroom without being on our phones. Like (laughs) this is a problem, you know? And so it's like so funny. And I heard this statistic about how like texting and driving isn't because anything is urgent. It's because we're so afraid to just sit and be still. Yes. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, and as a writer, the thing that makes me the best at writing is noticing the small details and Mm -hmm. things that most people would overlook. And we are losing our ability to observe. We are losing our ability to fully connect, which means we're also losing our ability to have meaningful connections and conversations with people. Mm -hmm. So... And yeah, it's like, think about it. If you go on a walk and you're by yourself and you're constantly going through your emails or your Instagram or your newsfeed, like that's, you're not giving your brain a chance to like look out at the world around you and and notice like nature is wildly inspiring. I mean, even if you're Mm -hmm. smack in the middle of a city, like look at all the interesting cast of characters that are dancing around you and the smells and the noises. And there's just so much if you can put that down. And yeah, that I could talk about forever because I did a, a social media detox. Mm-hmm. I I Let's talk about this. This is good. Yeah. 10 days where I totally went off and it was the best 10 days <laughs> of my life post social media. I just, I actually started writing again and had these innovative concepts come to me and stuff that just is stifled because there's no breathing room. There's no mm-hmm. potential anymore. It's just, you know, between your nose and a screen. And and even I think one of my favorites, I, I laughed when you said we take our phone to the bathroom because I'm definitely guilty of doing that. And mm-hmm. when I, I go sit on the toilet first thing in the morning, my puggle, Ashi, our kind of ritual is that she'll like run into the bathroom and she climbs up on my knees and she does her little cooing and wiggling and everything. And I love it. And sometimes I'll be on the phone and she tries to do that. And that's always keeps me in check because it's like, am I seriously going to choose scrolling through my phone over connecting with my dog when all she wants is for me to touch her and pay attention to her? Mm-hmm. And it's just a symbolic moment of, you know, like even if my fiance is on her phone too much, I'm like, can you, ah! you know, I just, <laughs> I'll make a statement and she won't respond. And I can tell she's like down the rabbit hole and something. And I just want to smack it out of her hands. And it's, you know, so it's frustrating with who I feel like I am. And then really frustrating in relationships where people like people aren't present with me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're going to have a conversation, put the effing phone down. Let's have a conversation. 
you know, and only open your phone if you have to show me a photo or we're arguing about something and Google is going to prove that I am absolutely correct. <laughs> oh, I love that. Drew and I won't bring our phones in on dates. So yes. we put them in the glove box. But it is so funny because we act so righteous when we go in. Like, we're like, look at all these people on their cell phones. And then we're like, dude, like, if we weren't out to eat right now, we would totally be on our cell phones. Right. I know. But it's like, it's just, it's such a catch 22 because you realize it but at the same point you keep doing it and it's like how do we win so Mm -hmm. let's turn this conversation on its head and talk a little bit about body image and that story that you shared that I've heard when you were at that retreat do you want to talk about that a little bit oh at the retreat yeah this was such an epiphany moment for me I was leading a retreat it was a new year's retreat so you know imagine yourself it's post-holiday season and you know as we do during the holidays you're like stuffing your face with all the best of the best of the best not to mention totally depends on where you live but for a lot of us your skin tends to get really really pasty (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's winter time so it's like pasty skin I've been stuffing my face and then I'm the genius who decides to host a retreat in Mexico so you know we get to Mexico it's the first day I put on my bathing suit which I have not put on a bathing suit in a very long time And, you know, I have that kind of like self-deprecating conversation with myself about how I look. And then I get into the hot tub and I'm with one of my students who has really struggled with eating disorder and body dysmorphia. And and we're getting in there and I have on this bikini top that has like the fringe on it. And I, I made some kind of comment along the lines of, oh, I, you know, I really love this bikini top because it, it hides my belly. Mm-hmm. And the look on her face when I said that, she just, she was like, how could you possibly say something like that? You are so beautiful. You are mm-hmm. so incredibly beautiful. How on earth could you ever say that? And it just, it was like someone punched me in the face. And I immediately <laughs> realized the power of word, the power of positivity, and then the power of deprecation. And when you speak ill of yourself, you are directly giving everyone around you permission to do the same. And here I am in the seat of a teacher, mm-hmm. and especially in the company of someone who has struggled with really a horrible disease. And I make some snarky BS comment like that. And it has forever changed how I speak in front of other people and how mm-hmm. I speak out loud. I'm still struggling with the how I speak to myself internally part. But I think we all do. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever really going to perfect that one. But, you know, even being my fiance is a woman and I was with a man before and even being in a relationship with a woman now, it's really fascinating because now I'm living with someone who has the same verbal level of body neuroses that I've struggled with. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) And just, you know, hearing all of the crap she'll say about herself out loud is really hard for me to hear. And Mm -hmm. because I think she's beautiful and I think she's perfect and And all I want to do is like have her see herself through my eyes. And so it's it's also really taught me that I need to be careful, even though like I want to be close and I I think it's important to validate people's feelings and not make them feel crazy. But it's also like if I just sit there and I complain about like, oh, I feel like I'm so fat today, blah, 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 blah. And she's going to do the same thing. And before you know it, we're going to be two obnoxious humans just sitting around complaining about all the things that are wrong with us and hating ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that gets you absolutely absolutely nowhere. So it's just a really, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I I am remarkably better 
at how I speak out loud in front of anyone, whether I'm close or whether they're a student or whether I've never met them before. But I make an extreme effort to only speak of myself in loving terms now. And I think that's so hard as women, because I think we're taught to be humble and to never like say what you're good at or, you know, like humble brags shouldn't even exist in our vocabulary. But (laughs) it's so interesting because it's like when you're around somebody that is coming alive in their own soul, like it gives you permission and invites you to join. And I think the same goes for when somebody is in that self-deprecating place, because that's, I mean, you've seen women get in a circle and talk about what's wrong with them or what they hate about all themselves. The my mom does it all the time. And my mom is, how old is my mom? My mom is 74 and she's beautiful. And mm-hmm. I, she's always making these self-deprecating comments about herself. And I'm to the point where like, I do not laugh. I look her square in the face. I'm like, I don't like it when you talk that way. Mm-hmm. And you know, cause she's expecting me to be like, Oh, ha, 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 ha. yeah, your wrinkles. Ha, 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 ha. It's like, it's not funny. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. not funny because it's coming from a place of truth and that place hurts. Mm-hmm. And like we are not healing anything by making jokes about it. And I think we're like passing that around generation to generation because if that's like what we see, then that's what we know and that's what we teach. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so hard because I think our mom's generation were the Weight Watchers generation in that, yes. you know, all the quick oh fix things. I remember my you know, mom still... eating so many puffy burgers, like add hot water. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's cool. What is it? Oh, my mom always ate cottage cheese and peaches. And I'm like, that is oh, so good. but it is just funny because it's it makes me think of like how do I want the next generation to be raised like I want them to be raised in a space that isn't headlines about losing your next 10 pounds or having the perfect six pack or whatever because even like you said earlier so much of it is based on your body composition your bone structure like there are things that we cannot change about ourselves yes I love this because I was thinking about this on my walk today by myself without looking at my phone. And, you know, this whole concept of exactly what you said, we're trying to change the next generation. You know, there's this big body positivity movement, which is great. But the problem that I see with it right now is that within this movement, you know, if someone is bigger than like a size two or a size four, all of a sudden it becomes like, wow, you're so brave. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, like that's, that's radical love. And, you know, my, my friend, <laughs> Jessamine Stanley, and she's huge in the body positivity. And I, I have no idea what size she is, but she's often like, oh, plus size. And it is maddening to me because anytime I see a headline attached with her, it's always like, oh, radical self-love. And I just, I'm like, no, she's just a beautiful, can I curse on this? By the yeah, way? yeah. Beautiful f- woman. Like, why does it always have to be about her goddamn body mm-hmm. weight? You know, and and of course, it's like, I'm just looking at what's happening in society and culture right now. And obviously, if we've been like really suppressed at something for a very long time, the pendulum needs to swing in the totally opposite direction, because there's so much pent up energy and emotion about it. So I know that's like, this is the big swing. And I'm hoping it's going to land back in a nice middle ground, mm-hmm. where it's not like, oh, you're so brave, because you're bigger than what society has told us is okay to be. So that's amazing that you're okay with posting a photo of yourself. <laughs> like that makes I get that wanna... all the time. Oh, my God. And I mean, that's when I first fell in love with you, because you wrote about that. And mm-hmm. actually, I'm I have to pull it up. 
<laughs> yes, you said I'm not brave because I'm sharing my body here. I'm brave because I believe that we have to stop waiting for people to give us permission. Mm-hmm. You want to be the change, be it. This is me, real, not touched. And I just, yeah. I just love that you said that because it's, you know, that's like someone posts a photo of themselves and it's not, you know, you don't look like a Victoria's Secret model. And then people are like, wow, how do you learn to love yourself like that? It's like, wow, you do realize that's really mean. Right. That's what people say that to me all the time. And like, oh, I just wish I loved myself the way you do. And it's like, basically, you're telling me I'm flawed and undeserving of love. But somehow I cracked the code. And and I also think it's going both ways, like you said, because also people will say things like, oh, I love seeing a real body. And it's like a size two is just as real as a size 22. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that you're looking at it. And so it's like, there is so much shaming going around in all directions, skinny shaming along with fat shaming or whatever. And we, we have fat, we are not fat. We have fat. Yes. It's just so, it's such an interesting movement to be a part of too, because it's like, I truthfully am not my healthiest self and that's why I'm working on it. Like, and I want to still be motivated to find what, like what homeostasis looks like for my body. And And I can see people feeling trapped with the labels of plus size or not plus size or the double digits or not. And it's kind of scary, to be honest. It's such a delicate minefield, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's like you want to be helpful. And I I mean, I'm all about like, I want to be helpful. And I've, I've been yelled at in this world before, too, because like I am a size four. So I know that a lot of people would love to be a size four. But I also lived in Los Angeles for eight years, where being a size four is like, being huge in the yoga mm-hmm. world, you know, and like, obviously, uh, and there's a little bit of like hyperbolic attitude going on there. But it's just like, I was used to being around people who had zero body fat, you know, like had all the perfect muscles, like it just is this crazy battle between like the super skinny or like, this is big, this is fat, this is okay, this mm-hmm. isn't. And it's like, how do you find your voice within this where you want to be helpful but like, I don't want to say anything that's just going to piss people off or, you know, hit triggers. And it's so hard. I like, don't have the answers. <laughs> no. Excuse the interruption. I know you are enjoying this content and your brain feels like it might explode. And so I wanted to drop in and remind you of our totally free resource created with you in mind. If you're only on Pinterest pinning recipes, fashion inspo, and home decor, it is time to up-level your pinning game and get more pintentional with your strategy. This show isn't brought to you by a sponsor and I'm sparing you on the ads, but it is made possible by our free ultimate guide to Pinterest. And I want you to get your hands on it. Cool. So hop on over to jkpinterest.com, grab your copy and start rocking Pinterest with intention today. Hit pause, go get your guide, and then we can jump right back into today's show. I'll see you over at jkpinterest.com. Now back to the good stuff. But I don't, oh gosh, you know, I just, I think the, the biggest aha moment I actually had the other night, and for some reason, Kate and I were having this like really deep philosophical conversation about what's the purpose of life. <laughs> I love it. And you know, I kind of sarcastically quipped back like oh I think the purpose of life is to be really skinny and to praise our creator through our beauty (laughs) (laughs) and just like making that snarky joke out loud only amplified how ridiculous it is that we extend so much energy on 
losing weight on being Mm -hmm. beautiful, where it's like, that's definitely not the purpose of life at all. Like that is not if we're going to make a mark in this world, it's not gonna be like, wow, well, she was really beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, did you see her in that midriff top? Wow. <laughs> wow. That really changed the world. No, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. and the amount of energy, if I could get back the hours that I have wasted thinking that I'm lesser than and taking those hours, days, months, years of my life back and and actually letting myself observe and be creative with those moments. God, I probably would have written like eight books by now. You know, it's I just, know. it's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. How have you kind of combated what is the quote norm in your industry? Because when I see you, I don't just see you as a yogi. Like I see you as so much more than that. So how have you kind of not combated it, but like created this space for you to just be freely you, which is hilarious and funny and witty (laughs) and brilliant and all of these things. Like what does that look like as you've kind of carved your path? I, you know, I think part of it is just I'm lucky that because once I got past that kind of insecure little girl phase in my life, I did quickly become comfortable with just being me. Mm-hmm. And I've never, while I have struggled physically with how I feel like I should look, as far as personality goes, that's something where I'm just like, I'm not going to change my personality for something mm-hmm. that's just never been on the table. Like, I won't compromise that because then that just, feels like I'm playing a caricature of myself or I'm I'm just pleasing the man. So I feel I'm lucky, you know, but I also feel like part of the reason that I've carved a name for myself in this career path is because I have been myself. And there are a lot of yoga teachers that try to act like a quote unquote yoga teacher, mm-hmm. as opposed to acting like themselves and teaching yoga while they're doing it. And I do see that trend is falling away and because people are hungry. They don't want to be taught by a robot. They don't want to be taught by, you know, a devout, better than thou kind of person. They want to be taught by a friend. They want to be taught by someone that they can look to eye to eye and and feel that there is empathy between them and the teacher. So I do think that's turning. And I really hope that I can teach by example Mm -hmm. and that young students can look at what I've put out there and and hopefully be like, okay, it's like, it's okay to make weird sounds and it's okay to mess up and it's okay to be weird. And, and you can still like have a name for yourself and be respected and and be you. That's what I really want for people. I love that. I really want to take some of your online classes because there are definite days where I don't feel like leaving the house. So you could really (laughs) contribute to my hermit tendencies, which would be a blessing. (laughs) We have to report back. Yes, absolutely. So since this is the Gold Digger podcast, is there a goal that you're working towards or something that you're hoping to reach in the next year? Yeah, I. this is so not light. My goal is to reassess what a goal means for mm-hmm. me because I've really learned in the past year that success and happiness are not necessarily synonymous. And so my goal is actually to ease off on the tangible goals Mm -hmm. that I've always set for myself. And similar to what we talked about earlier in the podcast is to listen to what I actually need and readjust according to what is bringing me true connection and happiness, as opposed to what I've told myself I need to do in order to be a good person in society and leave a mark. So there's a balance there. I have no idea what it is yet, but that that's my goal. I love that. One of my goals is to redefine what success is. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think a lot of people are experiencing that right now, mm-hmm. because especially in our group of peers, it's so many people have by our age become very successful. Mm-hmm. And then what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, now where do we go? I have tasted success. I have made something for myself. Now what? Mm-hmm. Do I, you know, do I have to just keep getting better and better at this? Or is it time to explore something else? And I also want to really get good at losing this concept of later. Mm-hmm. I don't like the word later, you know, oh, I'll do that later. I'll write that book later. I'll do, you know, I just, I really want, I don't want to wait for things that bring me happiness now. I love that. What a good reminder. So where can everybody find you and connect with you? You guys, you have to follow her. She's like the best. And most <laughs> you, you just give me life in such a way that I'm like, this is why we're friends. My name, you can find my name. It's, it's <laughs> Catherine Budig. It's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-B-U-D-I-G. And that's pretty much my handle for all my social. My website is katherinebudig.com. I have a podcast too. It's yes. called Free Cookies and it's about wellness, pop culture and sports and we kind of marry all of them together and there's a lot of bicker and bantering and also really trying to peel away the layers on some quite serious topics as well. And I write the books. You can read the books. <laughs> I uh, am on a website called yogaglow.com if you want to practice yoga with me. I also have my touring schedule up on Catherine Budig. Yeah, I think, you know, social is probably if you want the most up to date, that's where you're going to get stuff. And if people want to shoot me private messages, I really make a a concerted effort to get back to people there as well. Yes, you do. That is how we connected. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time, for your heart and just for showing up for us today. I'm so, so thankful. And thank you. I think what you're doing is incredibly powerful. and, And I hope that people take note of you and try to follow in your footsteps well we'll keep being brave right <laughs> yes I'm so brave so You're brave, so brave. <laughs> Aww. oh guys wasn't that such a great conversation i just can feel Catherine's passion through the screen and it was so so exciting to connect with her i had so many takeaways but i think what is so so powerful is really tuning into the conversations we're having with ourselves about ourselves, the conversations that we are sharing with others. And when she said that the way that we talk about ourselves is basically giving permission for people to talk about us in the same way, like, whew, that is powerful. I also think just understanding that social media is this double-edged sword, right? Like it's helping get the word out about different things like yoga and really changing the way that people are interpreting and accessing information, but it can also be a tool that can lead us to comparison and guilt and shame. And so we have to be very conscious as we use it. We have to be very intentional with the way that we are allowing influences in to our lives. Now, before I let you guys go on with your day today, I want to go through the review of the week, which is from A. Blex. She says, this podcast is giving me life. It's giving me new hopes and goals and aspirations for my new photo business. It's brought me so much inspiration. In fact, I forward it to my boss at my full-time marketing gig. We're already looking at using some of the ideas learned here with our company strategy. It's so wonderful. And I'm so thankful for this resource. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you so much, Ablex. Thank you for all of you who are taking the time out of your busy days. It literally takes two minutes to leave us a review. It truly makes a difference for us in the Gold Digger Nation. 
I don't even know if we have a nation, but I just made that up. But if you have two minutes of your time, if this episode or any of the past episodes have touched your lives or helped you dream a little bit bigger, would you take a few minutes to leave us a review? Done with the shameless plugs. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals and I will be chatting with you super soon. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.